0: Hello and a warm welcome as you join us on Search for Truth. It's great to have you with us and thanks for tuning in. Now today's broadcast is uh, the seventh one in our series about helping new Christians grow. Last week we looked at uh, enjoying Christian fellowship and today Brian turns our attention to our individual day-to-day living as Christian disciples in this ungodly world. He'll be reading from Paul's letter to the Ephesians later on so do have your bible ready if you want you then can
1: follow along with the readings so now to brian thanks john no guidance for new christians would ever be complete without some guidance about how to defeat evil so how to live victoriously as a christian the last chapter of the apostle paul's letter to the ephesians is about how to equip ourselves in order to live defensively as a new christian we need to be aware that the devil is real and realise we're going to feel a new sense of opposition in our lives, along with the strain of sustaining right behaviour. A lot of new Christians struggle with this, as they naively thought, or were led to think, that life would be altogether wonderful once they'd received Christ. But the Bible realistically informs us that Christians will experience opposition. Thankfully, it also tells us how to withstand and resist in God-given power, and gives us an awareness of what lies behind temptation and trials. Beyond the early burst of enthusiasm, we need a biblical dose of realism in order to stay the course in long-term commitment. It's in chapter 4 that we begin to get to the really practical teaching of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. The doctrinal outline which precedes it simply has to make a difference in how we live our lives. And I also want you to notice that the practical teaching of chapters 4 and 5 comes before the discussion of spiritual warfare in chapter 6. The actual battleground is set out in those chapters, chapters 4 and 5, and it relates to our behaviours and our relationships. With that scene setting, let's have a look now at Ephesians chapter 6, where we read from verse 10, Finally, be strong in the Lord. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert. What's going on here in the Bible text? The context is said as our having to be strong by God's help for the spiritual battle which rages against the forces of evil. We're used to virtual reality, the war games we play with our thumbs, but this is for real. The value of our Christian life for God depends on us understanding this information. So let's have a closer look. At verse 14, the command to stand firm, therefore, should be seen as an urgent command. In verses 14, 15 and 16, there are four words which go on to describe what's meant. That is, how we are to stand. These words are having girded, having put on, having shod and taking up you'll see they each relate to one of four pieces of armour. And then verse 17 starts a new point with a fresh command. Well, I'd like us to concentrate on the first of those descriptions we've just mentioned and the first way in which we're called upon to stand, which is by buckling on our belt. To begin with, we need to think of the background to the Apostle Paul's writing at this point. He was in prison, guarded by Roman soldiers, And he was using what was right there before him as an analogy for the spiritual battle he wanted us to be clued into. So, we need to think about a Roman soldier and his belt. Before a Roman soldier put on his armour, he put a belt around his waist. To be able to examine the belt properly, we have to get rid of our 20th century ideas about belts and we need to try to put ourselves back into the 1st century. Back then, when you got dressed, you would put on your loincloth, which was like an oversized nappy. Then you would put on your undergarment, which was basically a long baggy shirt. And after that, you would put on your cloak. Basically, this process meant you had all this baggy clothing hanging off you, which is why you needed your belt. It would be used to gather all that loose clothing together and hold it in place so that it wouldn't get in the way when you were walking around. The belt also served to hold the bottom of the breastplate in place and to hold the sheath for the sword. If the belt wasn't in place, you'd always be in danger of tripping over your own clothing and certainly not ready for battle. Everything depended on the belt being right or the rest was useless. Okay, good. So much for the background information we needed to make sense of this. But let's try now to get to grips with the actual teaching The Apostle Paul repeatedly talks about standing firm. We've absolutely got to take a stand as a Christian, and there's something pictured or represented as a belt. It's the first thing we need to get right in our interpretation. What is that in our case? Well, the belt is called the belt of truth, so that's a clue, a massive clue. But truth can be a description of actual facts, or it can refer to a state of genuineness, Or there again, truth also plays a major part in integrity. So when we buckle on the belt of truth, what are we doing? Are we buckling up to a set of facts? Are we talking about whether or not we are genuine Christians? Or is it an issue of being people of integrity? Everything in the context informs us that truth here refers to a believer's integrity, which means his or her dependability and faithfulness as a soldier's belt, or sash, gave ease and freedom of movement, so our personal integrity gives us freedom. Freedom with self, freedom with others, and freedom with God. And that's vital for every Christian. We all know what's meant by integrity, but perhaps a concrete example wouldn't harm. Perhaps one of the best golfers in history was Bobby Jones. And when he was in the rough, at the 1925 US Open, it was there that he reported that his ball had moved as he addressed it. Without that one-shot penalty, he would have won outright. Instead, Jones finished in a tie with Willie McFarlane and lost in a playoff. He scoffed at praise for his sportsmanship. You might as well praise a man for not breaking into banks, Jones said. There is only one way to play this game. And he meant to play it with integrity and there's only one way to live victoriously as a christian integrity means doing the right thing even when nobody is watching integrity means doing the right thing even when others around us are not doing right things integrity means doing the right thing when others misunderstand and criticize us it's something that's broader than honesty honesty is about facts but integrity is about principles And as Christians, we're to be all about living by Bible principles. Next was the breastplate of righteousness, which was light in weight and gave ease of movement as well as protection from blows. It was anchored to the belt from above. Now, in Proverbs 4 and verse 23, we're taught to guard our heart with all diligence, for out of it flows our whole life. The decisions we make determine the outcome of our life. How vital then that we choose to do what's right, not what's popular and not what we can get away with. Then our feet are to be fitted with readiness. Some historians credit their footwear as one of the reasons why the Roman army was so dominant. It was equipped with spikes on the soles to provide soldiers with grip, strong stance and a good balance all of which gave them a superior posture in battles that were typically fought on uneven terrain. We need to have a good grip off and take a firm stand on gospel truth. Satan will try to back us into situations to wrong-foot us. Let's not slip up on the fundamentals of the gospel and of the Christian faith. And so we come to the shield of faith. The Romans had a long, rectangular, knees-to-chin shield, which protected them from spears, and it could be knelt behind if arrows were raining in on them. Groups of soldiers who were besieging a town could close ranks in formation and hold their shields over their heads to make a huge cover to protect the whole group from fiery arrows. The Roman shield pictures the faith of the believer in the promises of God while reminding us of the benefits of keeping in step with others around us. Next is the helmet of salvation. The Romans had the best helmet in the ancient world. Originally made of animal skin, it was strengthened with bronze or other metal and topped with a horsehair crest with a visor to protect the face. The greatest battle is in our minds. This is the area that the enemy most wants to attack. He wants to damage our assured hope of salvation. He wants to cause us to doubt. The Bible encourages us to prepare our minds for action and to set them on things above. Finally, the sword of the Spirit, probably referring to the two-edged sword. Its advantage was that the soldier didn't have to turn his sword round to inflict damage on the enemy. Our sword of the Spirit is the word of God. When Jesus was tempted by Satan in the wilderness, he quoted scripture. Overall then, May God help us to stand firm on the promises of his word and, remembering the background charted out by Ephesians chapters 4 and 5, let's be sure to live defensively and victoriously by maintaining purity and submissiveness in our relationships. Now, if you
0: have any comments or questions, please write in and Brian will be glad to help. And if you'd like to receive one of the books for this current series, please tell us, making sure to let us have your postal address. Ask for the title, Helping New Christians Grow. And if you like, we can put you on our mailing list to receive new books automatically as they come out. Uh, If you'd like that, then please just let us know. You can order by email or by post. And here are our contact details so you can make a note. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wotton Bassett, Swindon, Sierra November 4, 8, Delta Yankee, UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. Now, you may be interested to know that you can listen again to many of these broadcasts off air by audio podcast or MP3 versions. If you go to www.searchfortruth.podbean.com, you can browse the list of previous talks and it's been sorted into categories so you can find what you're looking for more easily. Once more, time has beaten us. We have to go. But it's been a pleasure to have your company and I hope you can join us next week for another talk on how to nurture our disciple growth. Until then, very best wishes from Bible teacher Brian, studio technician David, our singers and me, John. So goodbye and may God richly bless you.